Hey everyone, welcome back to the ASAP Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm Scooney. In this week's episode, we talk about drugs, the war on them, our experiences with them, how fun they can sometimes be, and how not fun they can be other times. Hope you enjoy. Do you want to do some drugs? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about drugs, Stuart. Yeah, we both have a fairly decent experience. Decent might not be the right word, but we're we're fairly experienced (laughs) in our past. Yeah, we've done some drugs in our past. There's no uh, denying that. Been around people who have done drugs. Yep, yep. Been exposed to different drugs. I've been offered... Quite a few drugs that I said no to, thankfully. I've never been the kind of person to uh, get dragged into anything and everything that there was to do. And that's not true just for drugs. That's true for any um, risky activity, I think. (laughs) I just had a moment of thinking, like, I've I've said no to more drugs than I've said yes to. And then I was like, have I, though? Because I haven't got asked to do really bad drugs that I would say no to. Yeah, like <clears throat> so. I guess I haven't said no to more than I've been offered, but I haven't really done many in the grand scheme of what drugs there are. The only drugs that I've been well, the the, the two that come to mind immediately. I was offered crack once. Um, that's this, that's yeah, a jump, right? <laughs> this guy that uh, used to go to my high school. His name was I think Chris, and I cannot remember his last name, but um, he uh he offered me crack once, and I was just like. I'm good, dude. And then I've been offered uh, not straight up cocaine, but what what people call primo blunts, you know, weed that's laced with coke. And um, somebody didn't even say there was coke in it. They just said, you want to hit this primo? And I thankfully knew what primo was. I would not have known what that was. And I was like, no, I'm good, man. Like, I have you foaming at the mouth. Yeah, I never never wanted to mess with that stuff. People tend to tell me that I have um, kind of an... (laughs) an addictive personality, you know? It's a probably so, fair assessment. Thanks. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I was at least, you know, um, strong-willed enough to say no. And it was never like, well, let me see what it's like, because who knows? I could be a coked-out crackhead. I think head. it's the smart part of your brain. Maybe, you know. I mean, here's the thing, right? People get into drugs um, of all kinds, everything from, you know, the benign, like weed, to the serious, like heroin and crack and and meth. meth and things yeah. like that. They get into that stuff for for varying reasons, right? Sometimes it's they wanted to try it. And, you know, I'm not going to knock somebody who wants to try something, but sometimes just trying it doesn't stay there. It, it becomes a thing, you know. And other people Most do of the it. Time, yeah. yeah, other people do it because they have, you know, maybe really traumatic lives that have left them feeling. Like that was the only potential escape from the reality they couldn't handle. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not going to pass judgment on people for why or how they get hooked on this or that. Um, but I am going to say I'm I'm thankful that I was never one of those people. You no, know? I agree. Um, I know people who have gotten clean off everything from meth to heroin and uh, um, some other drugs. And uh, I'm glad that those people are around and that they're clean. I think they're all amazing people. For sure. Um, but I've also, you know, heard the horror stories and the struggles they went through, through, through their addiction and then in the process of getting and staying clean. And it's just something that I'm glad I never had to struggle with. But yeah. I think it's fair to say that most people don't try meth or heroin the first time they try drugs. <laughs> 
Um, that's kind of like the blessing and the curse of like the the marijuana is the gateway drug. It's like it's such a crock of it's shit. It's so crazy because the truth is, is like if somebody is going to go to the hard stuff, the chances that they probably started with weed are probably relatively high because I would say it is probably the least scary of the things that could be considered drugs. You know what I right. mean? Um, but. To, to correlate the two, to be like <laughs> marijuana causes you to be a meth head, I'm like, oh, that's a bit of an extreme. Yeah, that's, that's completely that's unrealistic. I mean, certainly there are people out there who tried marijuana and then decided they wanted to try different things and harder things. That's obviously true. But that's more of the illness than the drug. Yeah, I think. And the influences that you have in your life, right? Yeah. Like I never hung around people um, who were hooked on what is generally considered the hard drugs. You know, True. I just didn't really associate with people like that. So the influence wasn't around me. But, um, you know, what, when this episode, uh, when we release this, I will be just shy of 54 weeks since the last time I smoked marijuana. November 6, 2019 was my one year mark Good of job, no weed. And I don't want to sit here and act like... Oh, this is some grand thing like, you know, like yeah. I got off heroin or meth, you know what I mean? Like weeds arguably not that hard to stop or for most people at least right. it's not. But the fact of the matter is I started smoking weed when I was 12 years old. All right? I just turned 36 on November 13th mm -hmm. and I quit at age 35. So, what is that? 23 years I smoked weed. You know, give or take a few months, whatever. Yeah. And for a large part of the latter half of that time, I was not just a, a marijuana smoker, a pothead. I mean, I was a hardcore pot smoker. Yeah. I mean, I was smoking pot all the time. Yeah. So I had no idea what life without weed was like. Again, I was 12 years old when I started, so it was still scary to have stopped. Um, but I did it. And personally, I'm glad that I did it. You know, I feel better for it. But um, it never led me down the road of like popping pills or right. snorting pills exactly. or becoming an excessive drinker or shooting up or smoking it's crack. Mellow. It yeah. was a mellow thing. I mean, I did acid. Um, did it a lot when I was a teenager. Loved acid. Not going <laughs> to lie. Loved acid. But... um. That was I probably. See, I, I think psychedelics, like that's the that's crazy a whole different thing. class. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the thing about drugs is that there are so many different classes and styles of like marijuana versus LSD and you know MDMA and all that. It's yeah, so crazy. LSD is not even um, considered an addictive drug. People yeah. don't get addicted to acid if they're finding um, therapeutic. Yeah, parts. But of I mean, it. I, and I've tried shrooms, you know, and I've done a couple other, couple other things that um. You know, were for me, I tried it. Um, what? I tried Special K once, um, ketamine, for those not in the know, um, which is, I believe, uh, typically used as a, a an animal tranquilizer. I've always heard it yeah. was a horse tranquilizer. I'm not, I'm not pulling these facts from anywhere, people, so <laughs> if I'm wrong, let me know. But um, it was laced on top of a bowl of weed. Like, I never did it on its own. I've never snorted anything mm. um, except air. But... Um, <laughs> Maybe a bug you know, or two. Marijuana for me and a lot of people I know and have known through the years were also potheads. I mean, you kind of attract the, yeah. the kind of people based on what you are, how you are. Stoners yeah. stick together. <laughs> right, right. Birds of a feather flock together. Hey, man, right? you got them both. And, you know, for the most part, 
none of my friends were ever those people either that became, you know, hooked on harder drugs who yeah. were constantly chasing I think that a functional I think a functional drug user is probably the most common drug user realistically. I think there's people who use drugs and then they full blown, you know, go into a disability with it that it's you know a full-blown addiction and they need help over a course of time but I think there's a lot of people who like drinking drinking alcohol and smoking weed are pretty comparable and then you can do it and still live a pretty functional life as long as you don't have a lot of other crazy things happening oh yeah absolutely they're definitely um on the spectrum of um substances that can inebriate you uh, marijuana and at least moderate alcohol use can definitely be something that you do. Hell, mm -hmm. not even always moderate alcohol use. So right. back years ago when I was in my old band, um, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, it's been a while, uh, our lead guitarist, he would drink like constantly, like always had a mm -hmm. beer in his hand. Like if he wasn't at work, he was drinking. And that's socially and you'd, acceptable. You'd never know. That he was, he never would get really drunk though. He was like a high functioning drinker, you know. Yeah, that man could whip out some an incredible solos, <laughs> like arguably drunk out of his mind. You just kept him loose, just, man. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I couldn't. Yeah, you put you put a couple beers in me or one or two shots of liquor and and I'm I'm beyond tipsy. But yeah. I but I get I tend to be a happy drinker. Like I'm Same. not the kind of person to get all violent and angry. I'm. I'm the other end. I'm the annoying guy who's like, I love you guys, and da-da-da-da-da, just pretty happy. Much. Yeah. That's exactly how I am. It's like I, I just want to laugh, pretty much. Everything's funny. Everything you say is funny. Everything I say is probably not funny, but I think it's funny. <laughs> well, you can't <laughs> laugh at yourself, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you know, drugs, regardless of their risk or the dangers associated with them, um, they're everywhere, man. And, uh, you know, they're, hell man, they're easier to get usually than a pack of cigarettes when you're a minor. That's, For sure. you know, when you think about some drugs, that's kind of scary, yeah. you know, um, which actually makes me think about, we were just watching a video a little bit ago about the, the war on drugs. The war on drugs. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, Johan Hari. He's a, um, what is he? He's a journalist. Yeah, that's right. Swiss, British, Swiss, Swiss. Swish? Swish? <laughs> hey, are you swishes? That's that's how that uh, throw that free throw just went. It was a swish, like, right? <laughs> no, a Swiss-British writer and journalist. Um, he's done he's done a lot of he's done a couple of TED talks on like uh, addiction and depression, anxiety, stuff like that. He's got a sibling who's an addict, so he's really dug into this field and. Um, I was sharing, we were watching a, um, his, a little clip on his podcast where he was talking about Billie Holiday and Harry Anslinger and, uh, just kind of like how the story between them is kind of a, um, I guess just a really good encapsulated example of the war on drugs and how it was kind of the narrative that was run behind it like the racism and and the control and all of these things and it's just very it's a very interesting story it is it was it was a very sad story too um what happened to that jazz singer yeah um so again for those of you who are not in the know uh harry anslinger 
was the first commissioner of the U.S. Treasury Department's Federal Bureau of Narcotics. He was one of the leaders in the anti-drug movement. He actually, I've come to learn, coined the term war on drugs. Um, This is back in the early 1900s. And um, him, along with another prominent gentleman named William Randolph Hearst, uh, Hearst owned a newspaper um, back in the same time period, and he was feeling threatened by the hemp industry. Um, most of you probably know that hemp can be made into a wide variety of products, uh, most notably paper. And uh, Hearst was feeling threatened by that. And um, Anslinger had um, some racist tendencies. That's putting it mildly. Mildly. And... Um, a, a hatred of addicts, of drug addicts, you know, and you mix those those together, and that was kind of why Billie Holiday. And if you don't know who she is, she was just a famous jazz singer. Um, just that was kind of why she was the antithesis of his. Like that's where it collided for yeah. him. Of like, I want to take her down. Yeah, he was hell bent. He didn't like um, some of the songs she was singing. They were kind of like anti-establishment and anti-white um, nationalism. Yeah, anti-slavery, um, all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> and she was also uh, a How drug dare addict. her? Yeah. How dare her have an opinion, like treating humans the right way? So he was, she was everything that he, he loathed. Um, but Anslinger and Hearst um, ended up, you know, working together in a lot of ways to um, not just fight the larger war on drugs, but fight specifically um, marijuana. And they are, the both of them, the main drive behind marijuana, which today most people consider a silly thing to be illegal, um, to, to make it that way. Um, I, I do know from, from research in the past that uh, when marijuana first was outlawed, it wasn't just flat out banned, right? In the beginning, they said that you needed, there was the Marijuana Tax, Tax Act, I think it was called, of 1937. You're talking about things I don't know, so please tell me. Anyways, you had to, so in order to possess, purchase, sell, or transport marijuana, you had to get a a tax stamp from the government. Thing was, in order to get that regulation. Well, the thing is, though, in order to get that tax stamp, you had to have marijuana to prove that you needed that stamp. Oh, but this sounds course, like a good idea. Yeah, right. I'm sure most of you can put this together. You go into the government office with marijuana <laughs> to get a stamp that you need to have in order to have that marijuana. marijuana. You're already breaking the law. Hmm. So, yeah, that went the way it went. And yeah. now we have, you know, I bet they only held it against certain people. Maybe they did. I, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is, you know, ever since, you know, the. The maybe the late 20s into the mid to late 30s or whatever, we've had, you know, all these drugs outlawed and marijuana especially. Scheduled. Schedule one drug. Schedule one. Marijuana is listed at the same level with drugs like heroin. Ecstasy, heroin, LSD, and peyote. Which peyote even, like why is that one on there? I don't understand that one. Um, And based on scientific studies and trials, I'm surprised that I think they're actually working on getting LSD off of there um, so they can do more trials with it because there have been things like MDMA and LSD that have been shown to, like those um, psychedelics have been shown to help with depression and PTSD and things like that whenever they're used in a therapeutic setting. 
Yeah, I think um, for a lot of these drugs, I mean, they're doing it with LSD, they're doing it with ecstasy, they're doing it with marijuana. Um, I think that there could definitely be some therapeutic value to at least some of these illegal drugs. Like, um, this this is genuinely crazy. Like, so Schedule 4 drugs, Xanax, Klonopin, Valium, and Ativan. Like, those are Schedule 4. So that just, <laughs> to think about those Based on the scheduling, those are safer than Schedule 1. Because the Schedule 1 drug is basically saying they have no accepted medical use in the United States and are use, and using Schedule 1 drugs can put a person at a high risk for developing a substance abuse or disorder. Like, they're saying that Xanax, Valium, Ativan, Klonopin, those things aren't. Like, they that there's no way that you could possibly. Well, <laughs> I mean... You know, one, they, they're manufactured by the pharmaceutical industry, which has, you know, billions of dollars um, and is able to lobby the government. Wait, to, are you saying mm, this is a source of corruption? Oh, <laughs> shots fired, as you would say. <laughs> but yeah, you know, they clearly lobby the government to make laws that favor them. But on top of that, you know, there are accepted therapeutic value to those those drugs. There are. Now, I think it's stupid that marijuana's classified schedule one and those are classified schedule four but at the same time i I get it you know what i mean and and the thing that the thing that sucks is marijuana has its therapeutic value too but because it's been a schedule one drug for longer than anybody who's alive today has been alive right um well i I can't actually say say that that's a joke i don't know i don't know (laughs) when well it's been outlawed longer than anybody alive today has been alive uh, but I don't know when it was when the scheduling system was created or or when marijuana got placed where it is. But but marijuana was definitely outlawed before anybody, um, you know, who definitely anybody probably listened to this podcast was born. But um, they haven't been able to do the research to show its therapeutic value or potential therapeutic value. Now we're starting to starting to it's starting. The tides are starting to shift you know, um, on that slowly, but surely. So we'll see what the future brings with that. My quick Googling did not tell me the answer to the question. Uh, I'm sure that the scheduling system was created well after the laws were put in place against marijuana and other drugs. That's, I think that's a safe bet, but you know, I'm glad that, you know, for, for the most part, I just stuck with weed. I, I dabbled with acid when I was a teenager, you know, I've tried, you know, K on uh, laced on top of weed. I've also done uh, opium uh, laced on top of weed uh, a handful of times. And um, what I I did try uh, an oxy and a valium two separate occasions, uh, one time each, both orally. And like I said, I've never snorted anything. Yeah. Um, Never messed with needles, never cracked, never done cocaine. Well, you, you know, know, crack and cocaine are basically the same well, yeah, thing. It's one's just, just the rock and the powder. Up. Yeah, one's cooked up. And- one, one of them, you know, they arrest people of color with, and the other one, you know, it's white collar, so. Yeah, the other one are they, they white get rich businessmen who don't get bothered about it. Yeah, I, um, no, I, I've dabbled a little bit. I didn't do, like you started, you said at 12? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I tried it when I was... I believe 19, 18 or 19. I'm pretty sure 19, honestly. Um, I tried it once, marijuana, marijuana. And um, 
the it devil's just, lettuce. It just made me kind of tired, and I sat on the couch and like fell asleep. And then the next time I tried it, I was 25, and that's when I was like, oh, this ain't so bad. Right. Um, I have tried mushrooms. Yeah, I've done shrooms. Don't really like them. And the thing is, is I tried things like once, like it's, I have that part of my brain where it's like, just, you know, this is a safe space. You trust these people. (laughs) Why not try it? It's an experiment. And I've got that. uh, It's, it's an impulsive thing, I think. Right. Um, so I've tried mushrooms. I've tried ecstasy, which that was intense. That was probably the most intense drug that I've done. Never done X. Um, it was... It was a very interesting experience, um, very intense. And the thing I don't like is the whole, you know, come down afterwards. So it's one of those. Oh, yeah, I hear that's rough. Yeah. It, the the next morning, basically my friend and I were up all night just chitter chattering to each other because, <laughs> you know, we're just basically speeding out of our brains. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and like just that went on the entire night into the morning and it was probably nine or 10 in the morning whenever we finally like were down enough to sleep. And then we just kind of slept the entire day. Your, your brain feels like mush. Like it just felt totally exhausted. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's dangerous with some of these drugs, especially the speedier drugs like cocaine, ecstasy, Molly. Um, they make you want to do more. So that's why those ones become a little more dangerous because once you start coming down from that high, then you get that, I want to be high again, let me just do more. And then you get in this cyclical, you know. And the thing is, is like marijuana is different in that sense of like, yeah, you come down and you want to smoke more weed, but it's not like you're zooming. It's not not the same type of constant. You know what I mean? Like when you're on a high, like a super, super speedy kind of high, it it's physically draining in a different way. Marijuana just kind of makes you a little groggy, your head a little, you know, you're a little open-minded, man. Stuff's kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very hard to explain, but I definitely noticed that that with ecstasy, that was the thing that I noticed is like, oh, this is why I can see how people really get caught on that. And I I have tried cocaine before. That was, I was actually something you I dirty never, bird. I know, I literally never thought I would do it. Um, peer pressure, I guess, was a thing <laughs> involved, but also that whole, you know, I'm curious about it. And um, I I know of people who have done it before, and I think that, you know, the level, the curiosity is there. And I, after I tried it, I was like, oh, I can see why this, I shouldn't do this because I think I actually would enjoy it. And that's dangerous. And I have uh, addiction in my family. And it was one of those like just cognitive moments of like, this is not a path that I should continue down on any level because that could get bad. You know what I have in my family? A former cop. I know. For a dad. That's hilarious, by the way. <laughs> now, you know, ecstasy sounds um, not too dissimilar from LSD as far as like the way you were describing how it makes you feel. I mean, yeah. with LSD, you have the speedy. When you come down, your brain feels kind of like mush. Just and, really lethargic. You know, yeah. You, it just, it's one of those, like, imagine your dopamine, your serotonin, all of the good stuff in your brain on a thousand, and then nothing. So let me let me um, bring everybody in to two experiences that I had. Um, these are by far not the only two, um, but two that stand out in my years of experimenting with the hallucinogenic drug LSD. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I did try acid also. I I can't do it I've as an adult done it. because now I've only done it a couple of times. I've I've done it, and none of them were so intense that I got like really strong visuals. It was more of like heightened ooh. colors and just kind of like ooh, everything's kind of fun. You I, know, I've had some crazy visuals. Never had a bad trip though, but I did it once as an adult, and uh, well, more than once after I was technically an adult, and it just it wasn't the same because then I was just like worried about you know. Oh, my bills and like all this responsibility of being mm-hmm. an adult. You know, I couldn't just enjoy it like I did when I was a teenager. Right. But two two separate occasions when I was a teenager. So the first one that I'm going to talk about here, this was the first time I ever did acid. And a friend of mine who will go unnamed. Um, <laughs> he who shall not be named. Yeah. We, uh, we, we went to separate high schools in the same city. And um, we both ate um, some acid. Before school one day, we lived across the street from each other. And so we met up before school. We ate our acid that we had. I cannot remember where we got it from, but we got it. Probably a it. shady character. Very shady. And um, somebody peddling drugs to kids. <laughs> and um, actually it was probably, Which is funny because it's true. It was probably one of our friends who got it peddled to them. Anyways, so we ate the acid and we went to our uh, respective high schools. Now, I cannot speak to as to what his day was like at his school. But this is how mine went. So I mentioned in our episode on mental illness that I um, was in a special class because of my diagnosis of bipolar disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So I did not go room to room when the bell rang. I was in, you know, the special ed class as it's, you know, um, generally known stationary throughout the day yeah we had a teacher who was trained to handle kids who were you know a little bit different um to varying degrees and a teacher's aide in there well on this particular day we had a substitute teacher and if i remember yeah i know if i remember correctly this was her first time teaching a high school class And uh, I was not just in a special class for kids with behavioral disabilities. Uh, I was one of the class clowns in that class. I mean, I would constantly be creating a ruckus or doing something. Most of the time, I just wanted to get sent home. So I would just act out. Right. Anyway, so this poor woman has got, you know, my class with me in it. And now I'm on acid. So. So you did acid before going to school. Yeah. Yeah. I started tripping in class and so I'm sitting at my desk and I have this guy to my left that I don't talk to anymore I haven't in years his name was Josh and to my right is my still current friend Robbie (laughs) and we're doing this lesson I don't remember what the subject was but I remember we had these papers it was like a Xerox copy out of a page of a book and There was this really grainy picture of some kind of rock. Maybe it was geology or something. I don't know. But it was like some grainy photo in the top corner of this page of of a rock or coral formation or or something. Okay. And this little image um, turned into, the best I could describe it, is like a a gecko type (laughs) lizard. Now, it wasn't as vivid as like the Geico gecko. I was going to say, was he trying to sell you insurance? See, this is the thing. Let Let me say this real quick. This is the thing I think people who have not done hallucinogens they're confused about. Okay. My experience, your visuals, intense as they may be sometimes, you don't see things 
like in a, I don't know, a literal sense. Like, like when I say it turned into a gecko, for example, it didn't look, it wasn't green. Did like the shapes move to shift into? It was, it was like the outline, almost like a silhouette in the shape of a gecko. See, and whenever, whenever I did mushrooms, the, the visual that I got was like the top seam of the ceiling, like where it went down the wall, looked like there was water dripping from the ceiling. It was like a shadow and a shape. It's almost like, uh, hallucinogens enhance what's already there. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not. If if it's if you've never done it, it's really hard to explain. But anyways, I digress. So this this picture on the page turns into a little lizard looking thing, and walks off the page, jumps down <laughs> off my desk, walks up the floor towards the door of the room, and I watched it. I leaned over <laughs> to the side of my desk, and my head is just following this thing. Out the corner of my eye, I see Josh kind of looking at what I'm looking like, at what the and fuck? then looking at me. And he kind of goes, you know, like, dude, what, what are you doing? And I don't remember if I responded to him or, or what transpired uh, in that specific one or two seconds. But almost immediately after I'm watching this lizard looking thing walk out of the classroom, <laughs> right? I look up at the ceiling. Okay. Now I'm telling you people, this is not exaggerated. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I really did this shit. I look up at the ceiling. Now, in my high school, if any of you have ever had textured ceilings. Like the popcorn ceiling, Where ceilings? the stucco is kind of like bubbly yeah. on the ceiling. Well, in my classroom, my school was built in like the 60s or something like that. It was, it was like really thick globs of stucco. Okay, so I look up and this stuff appears to be growing down onto me like seaweed. <laughs> Wasn't green, didn't look exactly like seaweed looks, just that's the best way I can describe it, right? It just appeared to be coming down at me from the ceiling. Again, not an exaggeration. (laughs) I look up at the ceiling and exclaim, oh shit, I jump out of my desk, I pull the desk in front of me that's empty back to mine, so they're now together, and I lay the fuck down (laughs) on these desks. Robbie at this point is just losing it, <laughs> laughing at me, and I'm watching. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to yeah, do? I don't, you know, I don't know, but I'm watching this stuff come down on me. Now, how long did that last? Could have been one minute. Could have been four seconds. I can't really remember. Right? I know that the the substitute, this poor poor lady, <laughs> was probably just shell shocked. Like, what is happening? The teacher's aide, who was in there, who knew me kind of expected me to act up because I did it on a regular basis. And this might ultimately have been what saved me. <laughs> um, she was yelling at me, Stuart, get off the desk, get off the desk, you know? And I'm just like pointing at the ceiling you like, watch do you it, see man. this? And anyways, I get yanked off the desk um, and dragged out into the hallway, at which point the teacher's aide just looks at me and goes, you know, she's scolding me and everything. And, and she goes, are you high? And I hadn't smoked any weed. And now in my head, being high is not the same as tripping. Like, <laughs> true. I'm not high. I I'm tripping. That. So when she asked if I was high, I just went straight faced. And I was like, no, I'm not high. And she just yelled at me and told me to go to the principal's office. <laughs> and I did. And I don't know if I got sent home that day or, or what, <laughs> but I did not get busted for being on a hallucinogenic That's crazy. drug at school. I couldn't believe it. And how old were you at that? I was like freshman year. So, you know, 16, 15, something like that. Like, See, it's then, funny because I always hung out with the stoners, but I didn't do any drugs when I was younger because I just, I had 
And it's weird that I had this thought, but I always had this thought of like, I wanted to get out of the living situation that I was in. And I knew if I got on drugs on any capacity, in any capacity, like if I smoked marijuana stuff, I saw that being a detriment to my freedom later on. Right. So I made an active choice to be like, I'll be all these people friends because they're cooler and they're funny and I like hanging out with them. But <laughs> I don't want to. cooler. Yeah, but it's like, I don't want to do it myself. Like it was one of those, like I felt akin to them. It's like, oh, I feel the same way you do. I just don't do this thing. Right, right. So there's another story. Um, I was again a teenager, maybe, you know, might have even been in the same year that this happened. I worked as a bagger at our local Kroger grocery store. And I was this time the night before I'd been at a friend's. Um, Coincidentally, the same friend who took acid and went to school that day that I did our first time doing acid was also at this acid party, as it was called. And we all ate acid like late into the night, the night before. And come the next morning, you know, I'm still tripping, mm-hmm. and it was time for me to go to work, bag some groceries. <laughs> so I walk Easy across the street. Easy enough task. You can handle it. Right. I walk, that's what I thought. <laughs> I walk across the street to my house from from the house I was at, and, you know, I get ready for work. And uh, some of these people are probably like, where were this person's parents? You know, my parents were not bad parents. Um, they were not absent parents, They, but they weren't the kind of parents who breathed down my neck. I, I was pretty free when I was a teenager. That seems clear probably yeah. at this point. So anyways, you know, well, you were a bit thing. of a rebel. So I think you I being was. outside of the house, like, they're whatever. just like, he's just, he's away. Yeah. <laughs> anyways. So I, I go to work, you know, my parents drive me to work and, uh, I remember going in the front door of the grocery store and making my way to the bathroom to like tuck in my shirt and, you know, do all the things I need mm-hmm. to do to get prepared for work. And I go past the customer service desk on my way and I kind of like wave to people and say hi or whatever. And I get to the bathroom and I'm like staring in the mirror, tucking my shirt. And I remember thinking to myself, like, did I say hi too much? Did I not say <laughs> hi enough? Like, did anything I just did come off weird? And then I'm like, did I even walk to this bathroom or did I float <laughs> over here? Like, oh man, this oh. is, this is going to be crazy, right? I know these so thoughts. Then I'm I'm at the the cash register I'm working at at the for the day, uh bagging bagging groceries. The cashier uh that was working with me went by his nickname Diddy and uh I didn't know this guy outside of work and um have not talked to him since being employed there, but he was the cashier and I'm bagging Again, this is not an exaggeration to anybody who thinks I'm just like embellishing my stories here. I'm bagging this lady's groceries and it was produce, like, you know, fruits and vegetables, stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm putting the stuff in the bag. And I could, I could have swore I heard, don't put us in the bag. <laughs> and I believed that is what I heard enough that I verbally responded to it and said, I have to, it's my job. <laughs> At this point, I look up to find out I'm being stared at not only by the customer, this lady whose groceries I was bagging. By also the produce. But the the cashier as well. And I'm just kind of like, you know, internally, I'm like, oh, shit, you know. So I just. That did come out of my mouth. I know. Like, I just said that out loud. So, I mean, I was like looking. I didn't have my face buried in the bag. But, you know, I looked down. I said that into the bag. 
And, uh, you wanted to make sure they heard you. <laughs> Be like, shut I mean, it's up. it's rude if I don't respond to the vegetables and fruits that are talking. They were to me, talking isn't it? to you. So I just apologized real quick. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what the hell I was apologizing for. Being seemingly insane, I guess, <laughs> and just handed her her groceries, and she probably couldn't get out of there fast enough. You know what I mean? And my cashier comes around, and he's like, he's like, are you, are you okay, man? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll be right back. And I, you know, walked or floated over to the CEO, to the customer service desk again. And they're like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, I quit. And they're like, what? I'm, people, I'm like 30 minutes roughly into my eight hour shift at work. Okay. If you're talking to produce or any inanimate object and you haven't even made it to your first hour of an eight hour work day, you just need to throw in the towel. Like you're done. Yeah, dude. it's a bad day. And I want, and they're like, why? What, what's going on? And I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm just, I'm out. Like, and I just, I can't I do this anymore. It's too much pressure. I left, man. And I called my parents to come pick me up. And of course they're like, what the hell? We just dropped you off right. and you know i was i was defined because like just come get me you know what i mean like obviously i'm not <laughs> going to tell them what's really going on right now now my mom and dad and for a while now they've known the truth behind that story yeah you know they remember that day and i'm like i remember when i first told them like this is what really happened but when i finally told them i was already an adult and there wasn't much they could do about right. it right my mom about pissed her pants laughing at me <laughs> Because she was like, you were, and she tells that story to people all the time. She'll tell them about the time you talk to vegetables. You know what I mean? <laughs> she thinks it's great. I'm like, you know what's, you know what's crazy? If I had told you then what was really happening, you'd have picked me up and drove me straight to the loony bin Probably. or the hospital. Oh, she fully admits it. She's like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm like, that is, and now because you in just the think moment you need to be a parent, but now yeah. she's like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. You know what I mean? But it's just funny to watch her she loses her shit yeah laughing at that your man. mom is amazing she is a goof she is so really goofy. so the other night um last night then you know from when we're recording this here right. um we went out to eat and uh i had left my phone in my truck and i realized it when we got to the place we were going to eat and so i was like oh i forgot my phone and mom was like well can you can you call? Can you use your phone to call and find out where it is or whatever? And I'm like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> she starts laughing at herself. She's like, I meant like, could you use my phone? And I was like, it's no, you fine. didn't. I'm no. like, I don't, I was like, I know where it is, but what you just said was absolutely hilarious. Like, yeah, let me just use my phone to call my phone to find out where my phone is at. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It lines up. She's a trip. Yeah. We're definitely, you're going to have to have her. Call oh, yeah. in and we're we're gonna talk to your mom because this is call in. I'm just gonna bring her in in person, man. We're gonna get right. We're gonna get an extra microphone in here and some. Well, we already got the headphones, and we're yeah. just gonna have her just just run free. That would know? be. I'm sure she's got plenty of stories about you. Oh, so it would just be a fantastic that might not be a good day. idea. Come to think of it, it'd be a fantastic day for my me. mom is banned from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, but yeah, well, on mine. Um, yeah, the, the time that I had the hallucinations, it was on mushrooms. Um, I, the ecstasy wasn't hallucinations. So the mushrooms, my friend and I decided to do it together and we both, it was kind of cool. Um, I had like a rug at the time that had some diamond shapes on it and it was like in the other room, uh, like probably, I don't know, 
30, 40 feet away from me, or tw- probably 20 feet away from me. Um, and it just kind of looked like it was waving in the distance, like kind of like water, like the, the ripples of water. Right. So I was like looking over that. I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy looking. And the top seam of the ceiling had it looked like there was water dripping. Like if the if the top floor was flooded and there was water dripping down the walls, that's what it kind of looked like. Um, and at one point it was pretty funny because her and I were sitting there on the couch together and we're just kind of, you know, because you just get giggly and like, because that's the thing about it. A lot of the, a lot of drugs is it just kind of makes you giggly and happy. That's why people do it because it's, it can be fun. Um, so we're sitting there and all of a sudden she kind of like looks to the left and jumps away. And I was like, what? She was like, the couch just moved. And she's like, it just swell, swelled up. And I was like, what? And we both look and at the exact same time, we both have, bu- both have just had the same, saw, like seen it kind of swell up. So we like jumped together. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like It's yeah. just, so we ended at one point, we were in the sitting in the middle of the living room, just like laughing and pointing around. <laughs> and like. Dude, I'm not going to lie, man. It can be an absolutely amazing experience. Well, the coolest part of it that I enjoy the most is we went and sat on the back porch and it was like a nice summer night. And you, oh, that's awesome. And that's the thing. And it was a clear sky, so all the stars were out. And this is one of those where I don't know if it was enhanced, uh, like the star brightness was enhanced. I'm assuming probably it was. But I look up and I see it like connecting like zodiac symbols and like streaks across the sky. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. Like, Because I am yeah, a but- space nerd. So I'm just staring at stars like this is the best. Yeah, that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. So let's clarify something real quick, right? We are not advocating that anybody no. try drugs. No. I don't care if it's marijuana or if it's ecstasy or drinking alcohol or anything. I am not suggesting anybody try drugs. No. What I will say, though, is that there are going to be people out there who do them regardless of what other people tell them. So yeah. I will add this. If you are going to do drugs, first off, seriously stay away from the ones that can really mess you up. There's you know, plenty of evidence to show meth, which ones those are. The meth, the heroin, the crack. You know, I, I personally would even say cocaine. I would say cocaine yeah. is probably um, one of those. If you're going to do if you're going to do marijuana, you know, do it responsibly. And if you're going to do hallucinogens, I have to strongly suggest that you Make sure you're in an environment where you feel comfortable and safe. Probably don't want to do it alone. Yeah. You want to be around people. people there, that especially you, sober yep, people. That There's you feel be safe there. and sober. Uh, I, I didn't always have somebody sober. You but didn't, I'm but not gonna I say, think, I'm, I think. Yeah, I'm not going to say that's not a good idea. But what I will stress is that if you are going to do something that alters your mind like that, in any you way, need really. to understand that you are doing something that's going to alter your mind. So do not freak out when, when your, your mind, mind gets altering. <laughs> like it's it's what you set out to do. Yeah. Just ride it out. You know what I mean? Um, hallucinogens and- can be an extremely um, enlightening and eye-opening thing, yeah. but they are not to be taken lightly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, if you don't do things right, they can mess you up. Mm-hmm. And they can mess up your life. And even something as small as marijuana, I mean, you could lose your job. In some states, you can be arrested for it. Yeah. Um, you know, these things, because of the laws against them, can really hamper you. And some of them, just the drugs themselves, can really hamper you. So, again, not saying you should go out and try drugs. But if you are somebody who is thinking about it or, you know, has already done it and might do it again, be smart. Yeah, be absolutely. responsible about it. Don't be an idiot. 
Yeah, because the, the truth of it is, is like I, the times that I have done it in my life have been because I have wanted to. Um, like I, I jokingly say peer pressure, which on some level it is, but it's also like kind of, that's my friends. Like we are friends on certain levels because we are just that kind of encouraging. Like right. we know each other's boundaries and we know what is safe and we trust each other. You know what I mean? So times that I've ever felt pressure has always been like, it's friendly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but ultimately it does come down to just being safe about it. Like I, you know me personally, obviously, but I am a pretty cautious person, which I think yeah, is you are. probably why it's kind of different for you to hear that I've done these things. Yeah. Um, because I do tend to be very cautious and, and calculated in the things that I do, but there is this other aspect of my, um, consciousness where I think living is important. Um, so I, I kind of have grouped th certain things as experiments. They're once in a lifetime kinds of things where I'm like, I want to try this as a bucket list, if you will. Um, and it's not that I have a bunch of drugs on my bucket list, but sometimes things pop up and I'm like, you know what, would I regret it if I didn't do it? Right. Um, so yeah, I've never been one to be like, you should definitely do drugs. And I sit there and tell people like, oh my God, you need to do it. It's amazing. You'll have this crazy experience. But it's like, I'm not going to be dishonest about, I've tried it and this has been my experience. Yeah. Like what I just said, I'm not going to sit here and tell people to do these things, but I'm not going to be an idiot and assume that, you know, me saying don't do drugs and people are going to hear, hear this episode <laughs> right. and go, well, you know, Scooney said don't do drugs. So we're not going to. Yeah, right. Dude. Yeah. People are going to do, do what they're going to they do. So do the it. best I can do is just urge you to be responsible about it. You know, it's be smart about alcohol. being dumb. Yeah. be Just with anything you do, honestly, yeah. be responsible. Because um, that's, that's kind of the way that I look at and that's kind of the way I am with alcohol in general. I've worked in a bar. I ran karaoke at a bar for a while. Um, and I would drink when I would be at the bar. But I made a conscious choice to be like, I have to drive later. I'm only going to have so many drinks. Like, it's one of those, like, you have to be aware of the fact that if you're out in public, you have to be aware that you're going to, you know, drive home. If you're going to drive home, that you're going to drive home. And if you drive home, you're putting not only yourself, but everyone out on the road with you at risk. If you're not actually in a place where you can do that safely. Right. And it's just being responsible. It's it's like a level of integrity, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing, even if it hinders your fun a little bit. Right. So I want to tell one more story. This one isn't so much, I mean, it is kind of comical, but it was more of just a, a crazy experience that I got dragged into while I was on uh, acid. And then afterwards, um, I want to discuss uh, where we think, um, what direction um, policy on drugs should go absent the war on drugs, right? Okay. So this last story I want to tell, I was uh, older at this point, you know, um, 18, 19, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to not use names in this one. Yeah. Right. I was, um, staying with a family member and, um, this family member was seeing somebody else who was an old neighbor of ours, um, for a while in Having the house relations. we grew up in. Yeah. It was a romantic, you know, relationship. <clears throat> so, I'm downstairs in my room with some of my friends. And at this point in my life, I was in the position where I was able to procure more than a few hits of acid at a time. I had enough acid that I could kind of dole it out to my friends and we could eat like multiple hits at once. Yeah. I ate five or six that That's night. That's a lot. 
It was intense. That's a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was intense. To Anyways. Give you, to give you an example, I had two. Well, at this point in my life, I mean, I'd already done it so much that like it just wasn't, you know, wasn't like my anywhere True. near my first time. But anyways, I did like five or six of these. It was it was uh, paper, paper acid. Yeah, that's uh, what mine was. And um, so I'm I'm downstairs hanging out with my friends, and I hear this commotion going on upstairs. Uh, my family member and their, you know, significant other on again, off again. We're upstairs and I hear this commotion going on up there and my family member comes running down to get me, get my attention and not really understanding fully like what, what's happening, you know what I mean? But I go upstairs and I see the significant other pushing the front door closed Mm. on the other side of the front door. I see two arms flailing about (laughs) now the two arms turns out belonged. They were attached to a friend of mine um, who my family members significant other was also seeing on the side. Oh, fun. So the friend found out that this person was also seeing my family member and just wasn't going to let it wasn't going to let it fly. I mean, they weren't there to do anything to my family member. They were there to have it out with, with you know, this person, yeah. the, the middleman, yeah. right? And so I see them pushing the door shut. I see the arms flail and I'm standing back in the hallway like away from the door thinking like the hell's going on right like what is happening <laughs> you're about to ruin so, my trip so then um the we'll call the we'll keep calling him the middleman the middleman the middle slips out the front door and shortly thereafter i follow out to see the friend and him arguing and um so i'm like trying to listen and, and figure out i kind of know what's happening you know yeah, what i mean i'm like i can together. yeah i can kind of put two and two together here and uh, so they're, they're having it out, and the friend ends up going to their car and grabbing a tire iron. Okay, well, no, it wasn't a tire iron. It was like a, it was a pry bar, a big old pry bar or something like that. That's escalating and quickly. And come walking up the driveway with it towards his um, Jeep, and <laughs> oh. Uh, oh. I, I kind of stood in front and was like, "Hey, yo, you know, like, calm down." And and they just looked at me and they were like, "This doesn't concern you." move out of the way. And I just threw my arms up like, cool, do what you, do what you gotta do, Bouncing. right? And uh, I moved off to the side and they proceeded to go to town on his SUV. And uh, um, to which he responded to by picking up a boulder, um, a rock about the size of a basketball, you know, that was at the end of the driveway and put it through the windshield of their vehicle, oh. pulled it back out and put it through again. And I'm just up in the driveway at this point, like, hands on the side of my head, like, oh, my God, is this happening right now? (laughs) And so then the friend um, ends up leaving and the process backing up, runs over a stop sign and then just takes off. Windshield smashed in and everything. So needless to say, the police show up. Yeah. So fast forward in the night. (laughs) Cops are there. Everybody is kind of like going crazy i'm standing there like mind literally blown having to give because i knew obviously the person i'm related to i knew the person that they were seeing and i knew the person who showed up at the house like i was you know what i mean so i'm a key witness in the entire situation so i'm standing there having to give a damn police (laughs) report to a columbus cop columbus ohio police officer when out of your brain i'm tripping my ass off or as they say tripping my balls off i mean i he was sitting in his car thankfully and it was dark 
and I was standing up next to the driver's side door, you know, so it wasn't like eye level face to face contact with me or yeah. he certainly would have seen that my pupils were, were the size the of size, dinner plates. Yeah. <laughs> but so I remember this this cop asking me questions about the third party individual that was over there, the friend of mine. And all the while I'm staring at this tree, which is barren of leaves because it was like late fall or, you know, <laughs> something like that. And the the bare, you know, branches of the tree are just like dancing around like little fingers and I'm just like oh my god man like this is crazy dude and I remember the officer his computer in his car like I don't know if it was making sounds or if this is just like another produce talking to me Probably. thing where I just heard shit but there was there was two or three times where I thought he said something to me and I was like what and he goes I didn't say anything and every time that happened, I remember going right back to that tree and started thinking, <laughs> oh, man, don't don't keep doing that, dude. Like, if you keep doing that, he's going to know something's wrong with you. And I would just get kind of paranoid and stuff. Oh, man. But anyways, everything, everything, you know, plays out and the police leave. And, and for the most part, things kind of settle back right. down. And right I just went back downstairs with my friends and just enjoy the rest of my trip. I mean, Man. even a situation as crazy and intense as that did not throw me into a bad trip. Was right. I nervous? Damn right I was nervous, right. right? I was two feet from a cop with a head full of acid. That's right. not a position you want to be in. I but think that does it didn't ruin of, my trip. Well I think that yeah I'm surprised it didn't ruin your trip. <laughs> me too. But I think that does kind of lend to like the way the different ways that drugs affect you differently like if you were drunk there would have been no way you could have hidden the fact that you were drunk but things like marijuana um and like obviously acid or you know maybe even mushrooms like it it's it's an enhancer and it changes you physically like you act a little bit different with your body but it's not to such a severe degree that it's always totally noticeable right like, i think if unless I'd you're been, looking for it if i'd have been as they call it peaking which i don't think i think i was past my peak yeah. stage the point where you have like uncontrolled giggles and just like right. you know the wall is the most hilarious <laughs> right. thing you've ever seen in the world yeah you i know? got the gigs i think i might have been uh, a little bit easier like found out but yeah. I was past that so I was able and I've always been the kind of person um that was pretty you know I've always been pretty strong-minded you know yeah. I knew every time I was doing acid with maybe the exception of the first few times when it was new to me um much like I said to you know everybody who listens to this uh a little bit ago you know understand that you're doing something that yeah. is going to alter your mind so I always had that frame of mind where I I, I was definitely messed up. I was high, yeah. tripping, whatever you want to call I've it. I've always you know? had a sober but spot. Yeah, I always could internally, I could be like, you know, keep yourself cool. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're tripping. That's a given, but keep your composure because it's your ass if right? you do not. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I've had, like, I've always, I've always had a sober spot. And even when I've been drinking, like, I've been pretty drunk. I've never blacked out. And I've gotten, no, I've to, the point, I've gotten out, yeah. to the point where people have been like, I've blacked out and they've told me how much I've been. I'm like, I'm drinking way fucking more than that. Yeah. But I but I don't like I actually hold it together relatively well. And I, I joke that it's a superpower that I don't take advantage of, that I could be an alcoholic if I wanted to be. But I've, I've been drunk too much. And I'm now, cheap. I, I don't drink a lot. My, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that now I, I drink a little bit more now. Like when I come home off of my time on the road, driving my semi, 
Um, and if I obviously if I want to catch a buzz, my choice now is to have some drinks, right. which for me is like a shot or two. Yeah, um, or two. I've been though in the past so drunk that you know my friends had to pick me up off the floor while I was a giggling mess. I've never you know, <laughs> and still I remember it. I I don't black out as they call it. You know, I've never like. I've never the next day been like, what happened? You know what I mean? That's never happened to me. I think the only time that I ever fell down when I was drunk, it was when I was uh, like 18 or 19 in my own apartment because I was a responsible person. You know, I still drink at home. Um, But I went to lean on a door and the door wasn't closed all the way. And then I just (laughs) fell into the bathroom. (laughs) So it was just like legs falling into the bathroom. Oh, I would have died laughing (laughs) at that. Yeah, that was pretty great. I think that was the end that I was just like, all right. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, you know, people are definitely going to get the impression that like, wow, drugs sound fun. Right. And again, depending on what it is you're doing and how you're doing it and It also sounds like we do it a lot, even though this is very much compressed over decades. This is, yeah, this for me. (laughs) For you, it's decades. For me, it's probably a These acid stories are, you know, um, at least 16, 17 years ago. So, um. Yeah. Um, but so as far as politically, the way that this is probably going to turn, how how would you how would you okay, like so to see clearly, this go? Clearly the public opinion on marijuana is shifting and it's been shifting for the last, you know, decade or more. Yeah, I'd agree. Um and I think it's going to be a while still. Um I don't I it's going to be our lifetime. I don't doubt that we're going to see the federal law change in our lifetime. I don't doubt that. I think it's just going to be a, a while longer before it happens. It's going to take. I think more it's going to take shift. more and more states legalizing. I guess what it. what I want to know, right, from you is, what do you want to see? Do you want to see like all drugs legalized and regulated? Like how? What would you I... like to see happen in the absence of the you know um, illegality of drugs? I think I have a really kind of weird nuanced idea. And again, it's not totally flushed out, but I would like to see decriminalization of of it. Um, I don't necessarily... Of all drugs? Of all illicit drugs? Yeah, kind of. I don't think you should be necessarily criminalized for for um, doing drugs or having like a small amount. I think if you have over a certain amount, um, then it could be a criminal offense to have like that sort of possession with, you know, distribution. So I could see something like that. But I think if you find somebody who's got a small enough amount that they're clearly just using it for personal use, that they shouldn't be criminalized for it. I think a lot of money that um, we currently send towards the criminal justice system that's ta- that's related to um, just the criminalization of those drugs should be put in towards a rehabilitation program. Right. Um, for example, places like Switzerland and a heroin epidemic. Um, they And I think that's also where I uh, heard about Johan Hari. I think that's when he talks about... Um, and the addiction stuff, but basically Switzerland had a heroin epidemic. And so what they did was they decriminalized it um, and they actually made it legal. And in order to get it, you had to go to a clinic where there were professionals that would get you clean heroin and clean needles. Uh, There would be a nurse in the room with you. They would give you as much heroin as you wanted. You told them the amount 
and the, and they just gave it to you so you knew it was clean you knew it was uh, a good quality and it wasn't going to like you know lace with anything they would watch you you would admin it to administer it to yourself and you know then what you would be do what you would do is you would be enrolled in a jobs program so you would have you wouldn't be homeless anymore and they would give you a job so you were part of a community and they noticed, and this was a very, like, it's very complicated and long and complex situation. There was a lot of back and forth. Obviously, this is a crazy idea to come up with to begin with. But what they noticed was people worked themselves off the program because people aren't heroin addicts because they like heroin necessarily. They're heroin addicts because they hate their life. They're miserable. They're trying to escape reality. Um, once they were re-given a sense of purpose and community, um, they noticed that those feelings of longing and loss that they were trying to escape were fulfilled. So they didn't need the drugs because they were they were enriched in the life that they had. So they they weren't trying to escape it. Right. I think uh, real quick, I think that uh, being addicted to anything from gambling to exercise to um, heroin to anything, anything you can become addicted to. I think people become addicted for that reason. Yeah. It's an escape. And they, um, there was a, a similar test, I think it was called like rat paradise or something like that, where they had uh, two rats in a box, or they had a rat and two water bottles. One had heroin and one didn't. Um, and the box, the first time they did the box was totally empty. It was just four white walls and it was a mouse in there and they had two water bottles. So the mouse would go to the heroin. Megan got to get a drink of water. <laughs> the mouse would go to the heroin water um, and drink it because it was bored out of its gourd. So it would be fucking tripping its balls off. And they were like, oh, clearly heroin is addictive. Then somebody did rat paradise where they put a bunch of like basically a rat paradise. They put other mice in there for it to have sex with. They put like toys and treats and um, like grass and crazy terrain. So it had fun, like, you know, places for it to hide. And the, the the rat didn't want the heroin water because it was entertained. Like it would do it. It would try it here and there, but it wouldn't do it consistently. And the regular water always right. ran out faster. And it was just kind of another example of like people are turning to these things because they're unfulfilled in some way and they're trying to fill a void. Um I think that's maybe that's part part of why like with AA and stuff and I've heard people have complaints about this. So I can see the good and the bad, but they do tend to have a very like religious push behind it of like embracing God or some sort of spirituality right. or higher p power to fill the void that you're missing now that you're not on the drug or alcohol anymore. Right. I'm definitely one of those people that have complained about programs like that, but if it helps people, it helps people and yeah. I'm not going to knock that. I think so, um, so like I said, so to me decriminalization putting the money that would be towards criminalization and holding leading it towards housing and rehabilitation into actual working programs um, in order to get people off of it um, I think it's there's obviously much more complexities whenever you are considering things like outside of like we've got the drug cartel in Mexico that I that's one of those things that I don't know there, there's a lot of so there's just so much nuance to drugs as sure. it is. But I just think on on a whole, it's not like the drug. It's I guess this is sounds horrible, but use the same gun defense. It's not the gun. It's not the drug. It's the person using it. So help the person using it. You know right. what I mean? Now, presumably um, with the um, program in Sweden, um, they were going in there, right? And they would get their heroin free of charge. Free of charge. 
So clearly, and all they had, and the thing is, is so what happened was that immediately stopped with uh, prostit. There was a, like a prostitution drop. There was an HIV drop. Um, there was homelessness drop because they were they were helping all these people. Right. So it was one of those like there was less crime. So the crime rate dropped, like the violence and obviously the overdoses dropped. So it was just a huge mass umbrella effect of good that came from this one program and just treating them like people that you're trying to help in some way instead of treating them like criminals that need to be um, like looked down upon because when you make somebody feel bad about themselves, what do they want to do? They want to escape that right. shit. You're feeding them right back into the drug use. What I was, what I was going to say though is so presumably, um, citizens in Sweden, their tax money was paying for the supply of those drugs. Um, I don't remember exactly I would how guess. it did, but I would say that yeah, you're yeah, probably, probably in some way taxes were funding yeah. that program. So I could clearly, and I'm sure you could too, see a lot of people that would be have their proverbial panties all up in a bunch oh, about sure. their taxes going to fund the drug habits of somebody else, you yep. know? And on a certain level, like I get that. I get the apprehensiveness of that. Like, but here's what I would say, right? Um, oh, well just, just to point out to my, my feelings about the war on drugs and what should happen in place of it are pretty, pretty akin to what yours are. You know, I think drugs should be legalized and regulated. I think it should be treated as a health issue, yeah. not a criminal issue. Yeah. But to continue with my thought here, you know, the way I see it, people have got two avenues, right? We either keep going the way we've been going, which obviously we have not gotten rid of drugs. Drugs are easy as, as hell to get. And our prisons are overflowing. Prisons are overflowing. People's lives are getting destroyed. Not just the people using, but the people around them in a lot of cases. Yeah. Lives are getting ruined from this because these people are forced into the underground um, where they don't get clean needles or they get drugs that are laced with other things, you know, fentanyl yeah. or weed laced with. There's even weed I've heard going Fent on with fentanyl. Yeah, fentanyl or, is a or, thing. or other things, you know, or somebody gets, you know, weed laced with cocaine and all of a sudden they got a cocaine addiction now, too. Yeah. And all they ever wanted to do was smoke some pot, you know. Mm -hmm. So you've got you've got that road. We could all continue to go down, you know, just keep the status quo, which I mean, if you're a reasonable, objective person, you cannot tell me that <laughs> that has worked. Yeah, you cannot tell me that that has worked and benefited our society. Or you've got the other option. And we put our tax money into fighting this scourge, See, as some people call it. And, and it's that's what I worry to about. nothing, to no end. Or, or you go the other route. We legalize these drugs. We provide a safe, clean environment for people to get uh, access to these drugs and at least in the case of the, the heart or well, even any of the drugs you know dispensaries for for marijuana which a lot of states have now where people can go in and buy it legally and if if the drug becomes a, a real issue for somebody or for society at large because yeah. of somebody's use then you deal with that of course however it's best to deal with that but i think that should be more of like a, a health issue you know the, the the point i guess that i'm trying to make is for those people who may be like, oh, I'm not putting my money into into something like that. Well, listen, you're already putting your money into fighting it. And it's a battle we're never going right. to win. And all we're doing is destroying our society trying to fight this stuff. Yeah, um, We could take a completely different approach 
put the same amount, maybe less, maybe a little more, I don't know the numbers, amount of money towards it and have completely different results and positive results. And we can actually see change happen for the better in people's individual lives and in our society as a whole. So I would just urge anybody who might be, you know, fighting the the thought that they would want to willingly um, assist, even in a, in a very indirect way, um, addicts getting access to drugs legally and safely. Anybody who would fight that thought, really think about that, right? Well, it's, really always, think about it's that. always the preventative aspect of it. You're either going to pay for the prevention on the front end and try to get them rehabilitation early so they don't keep using and all this and that, or you're going to pay for really bad medical bills on the back end because they're probably... Um, you know, they've probably got a lot of diseases and their organs are failing and they've got medical bills that they can't pay. So the hospital is being paid off, you know, this, that and the other by the government and all this and that. Um, I think what and I hate that this is the reality of it, but it just I hear so often people just talk about other people like they're not people. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. one of those, especially when it comes to drugs, like there is so much still like racism behind it um, that it's it kind of kills me. And I think then that's the truth is the war on drugs. The major push behind it was racism. Yeah. Like it's the, the, in the current war on drugs, like there are so many African Americans in prison for marijuana. Yeah. Like, why is that still a thing? Like, that's, what's crazy to me is these are people and treat them like people, like everybody, like, cause that's, that's the thing for me is I have white friends who will talk about their other white friends doing all of these shitty things about having a bunch of baby mamas or doing a bunch of drugs and all this and that and the other. Um, but every time I hear them make a stereotype about somebody who is that, they use a black name or they use a, you know, a stereotypical accent. You know what I mean? And it's one of those, like, do you not even see that these things are like that this is the filter you're seeing the world through instead of looking at these people like they're people right first right. like yeah. and it just drives me insane it just yeah drives me crazy. we have a really bad habit of i don't know if this is a an actual word but otherizing yeah otherizing it's this um, tribalism stuff. yeah it's it's really bad in society um, and I don't know how it's going to stop, but it needs to stop. Like I think people just need exposure to, after a while. Yeah, I and think it, cancel cancel I think culture. True. But specifically to you know to the topic of drugs, I think that people, whether you approve of drug use, use drugs yourselves or not, you have got to see that this has not worked. This quote this unquote a- war on drugs is an epic. Epic failure. I would be willing to bet that most people who are against drugs and drug use drink alcohol. Oh, for sure. And they're probably happy that prohibition on alcohol was not a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. It was an epic failure, and it didn't take too awful long for the government to realize it was an epic failure. Well, the war on drugs has been an epic failure. Yeah. And it's it's time people in the government wakes up and sees that and takes a new approach yeah they gave they were it's like the government was like okay we'll give you your alcohol back but you can't have any of the other ones <laughs> yeah it's just um it's really ridiculous you know the the way and this can be true with more you know 
uh, topics than just drugs and drug use. But the way we go about things and claim we're trying to fix a problem is just idiotic at yeah. best sometimes and just, absolutely reckless at worst. Yeah, sometimes just because it's always been that way doesn't mean it should always be that way. I think oh, this yeah. is such a deep and complex conversation that is nuanced in the way of like not treating it like it's a criminal charge uh, and treating it like it's a mental health issue because there's so much evidence to prove it. And I think um, I think it's also a detriment to look at other countries who have done this, like to look at Switzerland and say, look, they did this program and it worked for them. And to immediately say, well, that's Switzerland. Yeah. We couldn't like, no, 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 We're no, no. Them. We are all people like look at the fact that they are also people that are doing things differently. Learn from them. Well, and here's the thing, too. Right. We're never going to know if we don't try. Yeah. We're never going to know. And there's so many people afraid to try to make things better that they're okay with letting things be worse. And it's like, it's your, the reason you're comfortable with that is because you're comfortable and it's not affecting you negatively, but everyone that it is destroying the lives of because they're stuck in this trap, um, they would like to see some forward movement on this because we really do want to make the bottom better than it is. Yeah. I think, uh, with that, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. I, uh, I hope everybody has found this conversation uh, interesting, at the very least. Um, I would I be interested to hear other people's opinions on this. I would, this. too. Um, I would definitely be interested to hear feedback on this topic from people, um, yeah. if anybody's willing to give that. Fun, um, fun stories or perspectives or where maybe we could be seen wrong in, our, in the way that we would view it to be reformed or things like yeah, that. Yeah, tell us how evil we are. Yeah. Um, I do want to leave off on reiterating this note. If you have not done drugs, I do not advocate doing drugs. Don't do drugs. Arguably, you're better off not doing drugs. Yes. Like if you can just cope with the ups and downs of life and get through <laughs> and, you know, go to your job and feed yourself or your family if you have it and pay your bills and, and live and be happy and content and everything else, do that. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and say everybody should try drugs. But once again... If you are somebody who, regardless of what I say about do or don't, are going to try them at some point, be responsible, be responsible about it, um, Please. be informed about it. Don't just take our words research. on these things. Research stuff. Research, research. Um, do not put yourself or anybody else in harm's way in the pursuit of, of, of a high, okay? Never. Um, but if you're going to do it, try to enjoy it. Try to get something meaningful out of it you know, if you can and, uh, just be safe. All right. Have Whatever a better conversation do. about this. Yeah. Be safe out there and, and, and tell people, you know, you know, um, we need to change the way we, we talk about this stuff and the way we look at it. Thanks for listening guys. Talk to you later.